Well, welcome to another episode of Beyond Four Walls. As usual, I have my co-host here, Anthony. How are you doing? Good, good. How's it going, people? Doing good, doing good. Um, today we have Miguel. Uh, now, Miguel, um, I'm going to do a slight introduction, and hopefully I don't mess up on anything here, but <laughs> correct me if I get anything wrong. Um, he is currently a um, director of volunteers at CDA, which is Casa de Vivimiento here in Charlotte. In addition um, to that, he is the... Uh, director of Sunday Experience there as well at the church. In addition, um, he works as well with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, working in the um, evangelistical state on, on the online presence. Miguel, I'll let you kind of introduce yourself as well and correct me if I said anything uh, <laughs> a little off. So uh, the yeah. floor is yours. No, it's a uh, great opportunity to be here. Um, thank you. Uh, thank you, uh, Tabel and Anthony. Um, and yeah, no, everything was pretty much spot on. Um, I've been at CDA for about uh, seven years now, and um, uh, with with Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Um, if it comes up again in in the podcast, uh, it's also known as BGEA. So anytime I say BGEA, that's what I'm referring to. Um, and I contract for them in the Internet Evangelism. Uh, department and I uh, before I started working at the church I worked for them um, for about six years full-time so awesome um, awesome yeah yeah well uh, the reason why I wanted to bring you here was in part of like what you're what you've been what you've been doing one of the things um, as you said you you're part of that uh, internet evangelism branch in uh, the Billy Graham Evangelistic uh, Association BGA um, and it's um, interesting because we went together to the Billy Graham Library, and one mm-hmm. of the things that was interesting about that it was that he was in some way a pioneer on taking on you know, TV, media, and using that as a platform to be able to spread the gospel in, in, in a such a bigger way. But um, as we grew up, I mean, you grew up in the Spanish church. We, we know of Gigi Avila, which was, had, a propo- had a position initially on TV and media, and he himself took and embraced it. Mm-hmm. Where do you, how do you, I mean, now working with the Billy Graham and kind of being part of that, where do you decipher methods of spreading the gospel? So obviously we're doing it now. You're doing it through the internet. We use Facebook Live now, which when Facebook, you know, a lot of people when it first came out, Facebook was the devil and all this stuff. So how do we decipher what platforms we're going to be investing in to spread the gospel? Where do you where do you draw that line? Um, I think the like when we talk about methods or strategies or ways that we can spread the gospel, I think it's important to first lay out that. The message is always going to be more important than the method. Um, and when sometimes people do, you know, when TV came out, TV's the devil. Uh, yeah. Don't, you know, don't turn on the TV, don't watch TV. Um, and then you had people like Billy Graham, like Gigi Avila, that they didn't see that as the devil. They saw that as opportunity. Um, and I, I, to, to bring the message. So I think it's always important to know that the message is the most important thing before the method. Um, 
And then before even, and I say these things because I, I feel like they're important before you even choose a method of what you're going to evangelize with, um, is knowing that the message is going to be important and knowing that you have to, you have to have love. You have to love, you have to have love, God, you have to love God, you have to love um, the gospel, and you have to love people. Um, because at that point, if you have that, if you have the understanding of, okay, the message is the most important thing I need to love, then you could use whatever method you want to. Because at the end of the day, the, the gospel is going to get out. Now, in terms of like being more uh, technical and strategic, so in my life, the experience really has been online, in person, and at church. Um, and online is could be anything. Um, you go where the people are. Jesus said, "Go," <laughs> and you know it's it's people, especially now. Um, everyone's online. Um, the majority of the world is online. People have people in places where they're starving have phones, and uh, you know you have over two billion people that are on Facebook. Um, so it's, it's, you're talking a third of the world, um, is, is already on Facebook. So, um, there's always going to be a new platform. There's always going to be a new, um, opportunity to spread the gospel. Now, there is a difference between if you're going to strategize to grow a brand or to, to grow, you know, uh, there's strategies behind that. So if you're yeah. trying to, to actually, you know, share the gospel but at the same time really be effective so there's this there's this concept of just throwing the net and see what you get yeah um you know that's just let's be on everything and let's 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 be on this channel let's be on that channel uh tiktok started let's let's start something yeah. tomorrow you know that's so, what matters yeah so a question on that one of the things i always like uh find uh, uh in any aspect there's a lot of areas where you could apply this kind of thought processes um there's you know we're practical in a sense that we're like in i mean we're we're taking a town square which you know a lot of the leaders you know back in primitive church or even before there was social media the town square was where we where everyone came now mm -hmm. our Times Square is a digital Times uh, Town Square which you know mm -hmm. to talk about Twitter when Elon bought it you know he wanted to have a, a free town town square um, but obviously there was areas that weren't practical sense that you would go to. Like, you're not saying, Hey, I'm going clubbing. I'm going to keep going club every Friday to preach the gospel. Like there's certain yeah. areas anywhere where we're like, that doesn't really make sense. It's not effective. It's not the, the spot to do that mm -hmm. in the digital world. How do you decipher those spots where like, even though it's a digital space, it's mm -hmm. not the space to present the gospel. Um, I think. I think this is where not just that, um, I guess this is where maybe you can distinguish between method and avenue. So um, I, I would say that avenue might be a good word for the tool that you're using. So you use Facebook, it's an avenue to spread the gospel. You use Twitter, it's an avenue to speak on it. And I think the method is how you speak on it when you're on that platform. And I think there's a difference uh, between, um, you, you gotta understand what platform you're on. So, yeah. and obviously you gotta play by their rules 
if you want to stay, if you want to keep a page long term. So uh, again, this is, uh, we do a lot of advertising, digital advertising, um, and there's certain policies that we have to abide by. So there's certain wor wordings or whatever that I can't say. Now, this is different from just a regular post. This is actual advertising. Yeah. Um, so I can, you know, become very, uh, you know, uptight and be like, well, no, if they don't want the gospel, if they don't want what I want, then, you know, I'm not going to preach there. Or yeah. I could be strategic about it and say, okay, you know, to the Greeks, I become Greek. To the Romans, I'll become Roman. To... Uh, these people, I'll talk there. You know, I'll do what I need to do without compromising the gospel, but being able to share the gospel. So I think the approach is different depending on the platform. So, um, you know, you think of Facebook. And, and the thing is, these platforms evolve. So yeah. Facebook will be different tomorrow than, it, you know. It, things change and the algorithms change. So the algorithm of what actually gets seen in the platform is different. So um, a while ago, Facebook was known for long, long posts. Um, and then that changed and then it became short posts and then eventually evolved into videos. And then TikTok came along and, you know, well, Instagram, obviously, but um, you know, TikTok came with these short form videos. So then what yeah. Instagram do? Instagram, you know, so now the focus is on reels. So you, if you want to be effective in the digital world, you have to evolve with whatever is, 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 is working. So you have to switch up your methods and say, okay, we're not going to make a post that is five paragraphs long on Facebook because that may not be effective anymore. For that, you write, you start writing a blog because blogs are 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 are, are big. Um, yeah. or you do a podcast. Um, now, I haven't run into a platform or a digital platform that I would say the gospel doesn't belong there. I I mean, I'm not saying that there isn't one. Um, obviously, like if you're, I mean, I'm I'm sure that there are like just horrific platforms and the. That there's I mean, just... a, a prime example probably would be OnlyFans. Is Correct. A, yeah, yeah. A, yeah. That it's yeah. it's a, a famous platform, but probably wouldn't be the platform people are looking for the gospel. Yeah, no, no. Correct. And then you always have one person, well, that's where we need to be. Well, that's yeah. where you can be. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's not where I'm going to be. So what because do you, yeah. you draw the line in understanding, okay, this is, um, you know, if, if I really want to reach you know, this audience, then no one is, no one is only in one platform. Very rarely are just people in one platform. So there are other platforms that those same people are on that you could probably reach them, that yeah. it doesn't require you to be exposed to a lot more know, things to a lot more things. Yeah. yeah. So, so you gotta be wise too. Um, you know, and so I, there, there's always opportunities. Um, but you gotta, I think it's important to know, okay, what is it that you, who do you feel called to reach, especially in the digital world? Um, there are people that they're just influencers and they just want to kind of, I'm just going to write a post and people follow me, people like and comment, whatever I post and that's what happens. Or you can be more strategic and saying, man, I want to reach young people in their 20s then that's a different story because you you might not even have to build a facebook page 
Yeah. Because there's, young there's... people in the twenties are really not. <laughs> you exactly. need to be on Instagram and TikTok. You know, if yeah. you say, I want to reach, man, I really want to reach the 40 and 50 year olds, then do Facebook. And then so you, you do the research to, yeah. uh, you know, to say, okay, where should I be on? And like what you said, is be my strategic. strategy? Hmm? You, like you said, be strategic about it. Anthony, uh, um, you know, you, we, we talked about it a few times personally and, and then on, on, on the podcast about like the gospel is going to do work no matter where it's presented, as long as it's presented through love. Um, even personally in, in, in your life, Anthony, where do you draw that line of like, okay, the gospel is the gospel at the same time. This isn't the, the place to present it in an effective manner. Do you think there's a line on that side of things? Well, what I would say is um, in terms of the, the analogy Miguel used about the net. Yeah, there's, you know, we as humans, we got to throw the net and hope we catch. But just like in, in the Bible, we saw where they were throwing the nets all night. They didn't catch anything. Jesus told them, throw it on this side. Mm -hmm. So that's, the, that's, the, that's God. That's an imagery of God telling us, do it this way. As soon as they threw it, they caught so many they couldn't fill the boat. So I believe, you know, everybody's called to a different area and to take a different strategy. So God might call people to be those general, throw out the net and see what I catch. But then there's people called to specific age groups, specific gender, specific, you know, where God called them specifically for that specific thing and not just a greater area to yeah. do. So that's important to know is, you know, be sensitive to the ear of God and, and he'll tell you. And then to go back to the point that you said about the club thing, yeah, to push back a little bit on that, because <clears throat> I've seen examples on like, you know, TV and stuff like that, where they're not necessarily going into the club, but they roam the streets. Yeah. Claiming. And then when they see the people coming out at 11, 30, 12, whatever the time it is, mm -hmm. then they'll be there present to mm -hmm. yeah, hopefully get the opportunity. So it's not, you know, it's, we have to be strategic. You're not going into the club, you know, and, and subjecting yourself to temptation or anything like that. But you are in the area where it would open an opportunity. So, like you said, it's, you know, being effective, getting a good strategy. And as long as, you know, as long as we put God first and be sensitive to what he's telling us, mm -hmm. it's going to yeah. gonna work out. Now, what, one, ahead, thing, one thing is because I've seen videos of people that go into the club. Yeah. Um, you know, and you see God move when they're ministering to people because they're going with the sole intention of talking to people one on one. Um, yeah. So now that may not be something that I would do. Doesn't seem like something. Or most people would do. Yeah. yeah. Or could could do. Could <laughs> yeah, do. Could do. We have to remember God is going to prepare us for what. Correct. For what. So yeah. yeah so so you you know you were right with you know there are people that could walk into a club and the music doesn't do anything to them. They see people and it's not like they're, that might not be what really they're tempted by. They're, they're we exactly. Or, they're weak, you know, yeah. Um, or maybe that is what God took them out of. And, and, and here's the tricky part with, with some of it is because uh, a lot of what we can say can become subjective. So mm -hmm. yeah. we can say like, you know, we wouldn't put ourselves in a situation because 
you know, for us, it's wise, but it, you know, to not be there. But for someone else, that may be exactly what God is calling them to do, to go back into that environment. That's not always the case. But, you know, how many people, you know, how many testimonies of, of, of people in, you know, Puerto Rico and, 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 um, are you, Anthony, are you Dominican? Yeah. Hey, okay. I heard another podcast that I said you were Dominican. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. you know, people in, where, you know, God takes them out of, of, you know, the hood basically of dealing drugs yeah, yeah. and they go right mm-hmm. back, but to minister and to serve. Yeah, exactly. So I think it just depends on, I think for us, um, if we're, if we're the, outsider in the sense of someone doing that i think we we have to be um praying for those people and definitely in in okay well understanding okay well god is doing something there may not be what i'm doing um and and i think that's the that's a big issue with um i think people in the church in general um Especially like when something new comes up, like TV's the devil, the internet's the devil, the Facebook. Yeah, exactly. People judge what they don't understand and what they're not familiar with. And every generation will always judge what the new generation is doing. Because interestingly enough, the, you know, you had the baby boomers that judged the Gen X for the, for the TV being the devil, and they were like, "This is the TV is awesome. This is great." But then you had the Gen X judging millennials for social media being the devil, you know. And then now the millennials are judging the Gen Zs for TikTok and all these other things. So every generation is always going to judge the following generation for yeah. a method that is coming out that is new to them, and it's mainly because they don't understand it. Now, to push back uh, a little bit. Um, one of the things that we've, I mean, it's not just even Christian, across the board, we're seeing studies of the negative responses of of social media. The social dilemma on Netflix is, is showing the cause of what social media is doing. Mm-hmm. Now, where do we draw that line of promoting a problem using, like social media, as we know, is becoming more and more of a problem when it comes to social dynamics, uh, emotional uh, de- depression and anxiety for kids more because of the, the the booming of social media. Where do we balance using platforms that are causing so much harm? And if we're using these platforms to draw attention to, like you said, like Facebook Live, you know, to capture these audience, we're also bring, bringing them into these platforms that could cause danger. Where do you draw that balance of like, okay, let me let me, let my church, for example, let my church be you know go viral on TikTok. But going, you know, so people are, are responding to you. But at the same time, that 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 app is there's actual physical studies is super addictive and it's causing problems. Mm-hmm. So where do we draw that line? Yeah, like people are there, but people are there. And it's also a bad thing that there's so many people there. Like, where do you draw that line of I should be there? But at the same time, it's a platform that's it's hurting. You definitely you, you got to be aware of those things. Um, and. I, I think it's important to well, one of the things that we at BGA did, or, or really the focus is, is to take them from um, an online uh, experience to an offline community. Awesome. So 
the 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 goal really is the ultimate goal is to you know you chat with someone online or someone takes a uh, we have discipleship courses um you know or they whether it's social media or a website that they encounter our pages on the ultimate goal is to connect them to a church a local church okay because you want them that's where they're going to get built up that's where they're really going to get discipled. That's the, where they're really going to get encouraged. So I think you, at the end of the day, my personal belief is that you still have to be on the platform or you should be on the platform. Um, um, but I think what you're, what you're giving out, what message you're giving and, and yeah. some, some, you know, some, depending on who you are, if you're an influencer or you're a church, it may just be clips of a sermon, you yeah. know, um, but, but I like what I like what you said there that the idea is not to keep them on the online community, but to move them to an online offline relationship, which is is really powerful because it brings it back to the reality of the community of uh, in person community, which the body of Christ really is. Um, so I think that's really cool that that concept of we're not just drawing eyes to draw eyes, but we're drawing eyes to actually create an action plan of moving you from here to here. It's not just to show you a message, but to show you a message for a reason. Which I think is yeah. That, go ahead, Andy. That's what I like about my church. My pastor, when he's <clears throat> right before he's preaching and he's uh, you know saying hello to whoever's online and stuff, he he always says, "It's great that you're here, but you know if you live in the area, we hope for you to actually come in person and enjoy because it's even better." So it's like you said, it's real important to not just keep it there, but. Yeah. that like we're talking about is bringing that community aspect yeah yeah now um one of the things that we're i'm sure is a challenge is that every church now is trying to be a social media rock star like mm-hmm. every church is doing it where do you do you see like do you think it's on every is um upon every church to have a social media presence or do you think that's something where it's really called for certain churches or do you think every church should be trying to do that um, I think every church should be doing what God is calling them to do. Um, and, you know, the ultimate message, the ultimate calling is to preach the gospel. Yeah. Um, so now the ways that they do it, you see some, some churches are more community-based in terms of they, they have a small congregation, but they do a lot in the community. Yeah. Or there's a big congregation and there's a lot within the congregation, a lot within the church that people can get involved in. Um, I, <clears throat> I mean, my personal thing is that I feel like every church should at least know how to go online um, because 2020 happened when the pandemic happened uh-huh. and how many churches had to close and unfortunately there were many churches that didn't open again because the reality is that they didn't have an online presence uh before covid yeah so simple things like taking offering online digital people still had to figure out a way to send checks and bring cash and a lot of churches struggled financially and had to close because they didn't have they weren't prepared for something like this so i don't think that 
every church necessarily needs to go live every Sunday, uh, hire a social media person, uh, start doing more things. No, not necessarily. But I do think that they should um, adiestrarse, uh, equip themselves. Yeah, yeah. To, to have the basic skills that if something like this were to happen again, how can we still engage our audience? You know, a lot of people, you know, started to, 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 to try to figure out how to do Facebook Live for the first time, um, you know, to stay in communication with their church. So I think more as a, as a head. At least a minimum, yeah, minimal yeah, yeah, presence. Yeah, I think, I think it's important because then you want people to be able to find you too. So yeah, exactly. you need a website, you need, you need the basic things that if someone is, is looking online for a church and, you know, you know, and, and XYZ city, city, yeah. you yeah. know, Jackson city, Alabama, whatever. And your church doesn't have a website is not on there on Facebook, then they're not going to find you. So I think there's basic things now, whether you need to have a whole strategy that just depends on, hey, where is it right now that God is, is leading us? Um, you know, but don't, for a church not to do it because they don't know how or because they're afraid to do it, that shouldn't be the reason that they don't. Does that make yeah. sense? I agree, yeah. No, that, that definitely makes sense. And similar to what Anthony was saying earlier, it's really being willing to listen to the voice of God mm-hmm. and just attaching yourself to that. And, and through that, and through that, you'll be able to really be the most effective as a church, as an individual, um, as a group or whatever um, you're leading. I think that's really important to be willing to find that voice of God and knowing where, like you, uh, like Anthony said, nowhere to throw the net is really mm-hmm. important. I do want to shift gears, though. Um, you were, uh, uh, as we've been mentioning, you worked for Billy Graham's Metallurgical Associ- uh, Association. And one of the things that... Um, especially now within this in today's time more and more that social media rock star or pastor rock star you know the celebrity celebrity pastor is becoming more of a negative label than a positive label how did you, how was your experience obviously Billy Graham was famous not only in the Christian world but as we visited the the library um, presidents visited him there there was a queen the queen uh, gave him uh, gave him um, gave him something. So it's he was in a quote unquote a celebrity evangelist. How did you or how was your experience with working with Billy Graham to keep God centered? And is that something? Uh, how did that work? I think the biggest thing was that uh, Billy Graham or Mr. Graham. I'll, I'll end up saying Mr. Graham a lot. Um, is um, the way he responded to fame and the way he responded to the things that God was doing. So it was always about what the Bible says. Um, So if you go and you hear his messages, a hundred times in one message he'll say, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says. So it was always like, I I think we live now where preachers, people in general, they try to um, move, como el, um, yeah. move an audience. Through with, personality. Yeah, what, or, yeah, personality or through... Well, like a catchphrase. A catchphrase, a one-liner, mm-hmm. you know, something yeah. that may not even make sense 
<laughs> it may not even be biblical, but it sounds it sounds good. You know, mm. and it and it and everyone stands up and everyone's like, oh man, but it doesn't change you. It doesn't transform you, but it gets a lot of applause. So one thing that we learned that I learned working at BGA was that he just stuck to the Bible. So when he was on these TV hosts and TV shows and and they would question him about his belief, he was like, listen, this is not what I'm saying. This is not like, I'm not, not me. Yeah, I'm not saying, yeah. And I agree with the Bible. So, I mean, you know, and so I think the integrity of that, he never wavered. Like he, he never wavered. So it was always, God was always at the center um, he never wanted recognition. He, um, you know, he wasn't a flashy person, and there, not that is anything wrong with driving a nice car, dressing up. You know, I like nice things myself, but, um, but there gets to this limit where it it, be, it stops becoming like who who are we talking about here, the pastor or Jesus? And mm-hmm. with Mr. Graham, it was never in question who. Yeah. who was who was who we were talking about you know and we were talking uh a few days ago I mean, about the even the name billy graham evangelistic association yeah and his emphasis was that the most important word everyone was like you need to have your name in the the ministry because that's how people are going to know that it's yours but he's like at the end of the day the most important word in that name ministry name is evangelistical like it's not billy graham he didn't even want the library to be named after him he was that was like a whole thing you know and they because he was still alive when they um when they put it when they built it um but the compromise was that if you go through the library there's a cross and the the way to get in is you literally are at the foot of the cross and those are the doors um so he wanted it all to be about the cross, all to be about Jesus. Um, so when you're in an organization where the main leader is is saying that, is constantly living that for 70 years, then you know you start to question all these other people that are okay. Well, you know, I see more them in themselves than Jesus in themselves. Um, you know, and so working there you start to see things how god can still use someone that is true to the word and yeah. doesn't need to come up with these catchphrases yeah. i mean it's becoming more and more personas and personalities that really are selling the gospel than the actual gospel itself um mm-hmm. anthony you know i mean all of us listen to preachers have different preachers that we listen to how do you kind of like decipher that? Because obviously we're listening. If we're listening to preachers, most of the time they are somewhat famous that we, we found them. How do you deci- decipher that yourself in deciding like, you know, this person's really about the gospel or, and this person's like uh, Miguel was saying is more about selling themselves. Yeah, like he said, I mean, it's, more, it's like <clears throat> if you see it's just I don't know how to explain it. It's like the spirit of the person you can tell like what is their goal what is their intention with what they're saying and it's like it's especially when you listen to preachings is it are you just continuously hearing catchphrases and oh wow one-liners and, and yeah or is it they're continually going back and 
going back to the scripture, going back to the scripture. Mm-hmm. That's my biggest thing is, especially with, you know, and it's not about like, they don't have to be a doctorate in theology, but because mm-hmm. you don't have to have a degree to, especially now, you know, it's mm-hmm. 2023, we have technology, we have Google, we have all these mm-hmm. tools in our disposal that people might think is the devil. And you gotta, but at the end of the day, you know, we're, we all don't have a doctorate in, mm-hmm. in, in Greek and in Aramaic and in Hebrew. So, but we can still go and search and see, and we have more translations to help us. So it's mm-hmm. the, the, the preachers I like to listen to are, are that type. Like mm-hmm. they go deep. Mm-hmm. It's not just, you know, yeah. sugar coated, yeah. Over the top level, surface level. So, and it's yeah. okay to have the one-liners that yeah. come along with that. Uh huh. Exactly. I, I enjoy, but it's got to make sense. <laughs> it's got yeah. to be like biblical, you know? Yeah. Because uh, I think for me, like I'm more of like, okay, you know, I like a one-liner that I can that I can remember, that it impacts me, that I can, you know, go back to that man, he said, he said that, and that's, you know, or she said that, and that's so true, you know, not like get a message full of one-liners that I get to choose, and I know, I know more one-liners than I do verses, Yeah. there, there's, there's an issue with that, you know, because, you know, we have YouTube that preaches to us, and not the Bible, so, Yeah. yeah, And like, like you said, the, the the most important thing, too, is, you know, what are they saying? Like, mm-hmm. do you hear a lot of I, me, this, that, mm-hmm. a lot of I, ego in there? Or do you hear, um, mm-hmm. I'm just like you, I'm just a normal person? Like like what you were saying about Billy Graham, it was always about Christ. It wasn't about him. He didn't want his name on it. He didn't want any accolades. So. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's pretty crazy because... Um, the amount of fame he really truly had like his like the those conventions of so many thousands of people coming to to see a man preach i'm we realize he must have had some temptations that have come upon him to to use his fame for personal endeavors whatever those endeavors might have been either financially or whatever it may be and it's one of those challenges of of spreading the gospel when you continue to grow in fame um, and it's it was super impactful because, like you said, um, even though it said the Billy Graham Library, the whole experience while I was going through that, um, through through it, it really was about him presenting the gospel, even through his through that through that that passage of his own life. It was all about him spreading the gospel and preaching the gospel, mm-hmm. and going from there, um, which which was which was crazy. And it's to to it one of the things that really impacted me was that. We uh, many times assume that one that we can't do it, or we mm-hmm. and literally one man did so much for the gospel, mm-hmm. and we we many times assume oh we can't do it, we can't fight against the fray, but we can if we're if we're God centered and God truly calls us and we lead that way, we'll be able to we don't have to do these catchphrases to attract people. One of the things that really stresses when I always say is gimmicks like we use gimmicks to try try to draw people. We use certain words just to draw mm-hmm. attention, or we. We try to do a certain a level of entertainment to mm-hmm. be able to draw someone's attention, but in the end, we're just bring bringing more danger to that person's life than doing good. Um, mm-hmm. Which that, is- that's what 
Sorry. No, go ahead. Go, go ahead. No, go that's, ahead. That's what, that's what makes Paul so special. And, you know, why God allowed him to be the pretty much most of the New Testament is because, first of all, we know his history. So if if anybody would be the last one to preach, the gospel would have been him. He was killing Christians. So it's like you were the literal opposite of what you became. Yeah. And he never and never got to his head like he never thought he was, you know, he was honest. He was like. What what I shouldn't do is what I want to do. What I want to do, you know. Mm-hmm. He he was open and he was honest. He was like, I'm nobody. I'm you know. God had mercy on me, and I'm doing this. As opposed to Peter, who was quarreling with him, and he was always bringing up his Jewish background and trying to be like, oh, no, the Gentiles. You know, you could see that Peter was kind of like, oh, the Gentiles, whatever, and trying to stay with his Jewish, and and you know, not to bash Peter or anything, but. That's why Paul was able to reach the masses that Peter never got to because he was open to reaching the 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 outcasts and the people that were considered sinners and horrible and so yeah. as long as we remain humble and 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 remember that you know it's Jesus yeah. it's not us it's not our ability it's not our power yeah, yeah. it's all him and I think it's uh about being Jesus centered. And one of the things that's interesting is that you have the opportunity uh, leading programming at the church, uh, Miguel, um, in drawing that fine line of we do things that are modern day, like we sing certain songs, we do the lights, we do, you know, these things, we do the graphics in the background, we do all these things that are very modern to draw the eye. But at the same time, we're, you know, especially you creating that program, how do you draw that line of like, okay, this is this is too much entertainment to Christ centered, or we need to like do Christ centered, but also do things that are modern that are naturally going to draw people into wanting to worship, wanting to do that. How's that line uh, drawn for you personally when you make the programming? Um, I think, the, you know, it kind of goes in line with what we're talking about here. Um, the, what, what is it that you want? What is it, What is the experience that you want people to have? Do you want them to have, you know, an emotional experience or do you want them to encounter God? Like, do you want them to encounter the presence of God? Like, do you want, while the sermon is happening, do you want them to feel good or do you want them to be convicted? Because the Holy Spirit is the one that is actually going to convict. Mm -hmm. So the words, the things that we do, even the songs that we sing, the special participations that we have, all of that can move anybody. Someone can get up and play the, you know, strings on the piano and pads on the piano, and it sounds beautiful, and it can get someone to cry. But... You know, how many videos, how many videos do you see? <laughs> I mean, it may just be me, but how many videos do you see like on social media that they're just a random video, but they're kind hearted. And, you know, for me, it's like military people when they come home. Oh. That yeah. always gets me. Yeah. You know, like I don't, I don't normally like, I'm not a crier for things of, you know, things that happen in life. I just, I don't know. But man, I see a video like that. I'm like, yeah, I'm the same. It's hits your heartstrings. Yeah. Getting the yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what is this? It's two o'clock in the morning and I'm bawling my eyes out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
Yeah. So there's certain things, but the music is there. The the emotion is there. The yeah, you know. So you can move people without the spirit of God, and that is the scariest thing because you can have a program that can say people can leave and say, "Man, that was great," or "Wow, I felt you know I felt good," um, and not be real change. So the biggest thing the the most important thing is what our pastor says you know at cda um uh is that the holy spirit is a pastor of this church so we you know he he serves all you know pastor serves as the pastor um but he's always looking we have a program we have time times for specific segments and we do that mainly because we have we share a facility with another church, so we got to be out by a certain time anyway. Yeah. Um, but the reality is too is that you want to you want to be real and understand the times. You know that's why men in the Bible were wise because they understood the times, and the majority like this isn't you know where you necessarily have to be at church from nine in the morning to five o'clock at you know in the evening on a Sunday. Now, if people still do that, which I know they do, then that's fine. That's their church. For us, and going back to what Anthony said, hearing from God, knowing what is it that your church is called to do. You know, there's there's a lot of churches in our area that have, they can have a service in an hour and 15 minutes and be done. And 30 minutes later, later start the second service. And, you know, but yeah. that's how they, you know, I'm not going to judge them for that. Um, and I'm not going to judge the people that are there for a full, a full Tells, day on yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but for us, our church, you know, we set certain times limits and segments because we want the experience for that new person that comes in to be, to be pleasant. At, at the reality is, is that you want them one to feel loved. So the moment they walk in. And, and and I bring all these things because this is a part of planning the program. So it's not just what you have on the schedule, but it's how it is from the moment that someone walks in, really from the moment someone drives into the parking lot, you know, walks into those doors. Do they feel, there's so many testimonies of people that when we've called them that they visit our church, the first thing that they said is that I felt love when I walked in. And that's what we welcoming. Yeah. 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 The welcoming team is one of the most powerful between the welcoming team, the kids ministry and the worship team. Those are those are big because they if you feel welcomed, loved, you know, you're going to want to stay. If you can trust that your children are having a great time in the kids ministry, the kids are going to want to come back. And if you're in worship and you're able to experience the presence of God, then you you're going to stay. You know, um, now obviously the word has to come in and it has to be, you know, biblical, it has to be sound. It can't, you know, for us, it's, you know, we want the Holy Spirit to be present. So we have, we, we use the technology, we use social media, we use the lights, um, we like the effects, we like the, the LED screen in the back, but that's just us. That's just our methods. Um, we had the opportunity, we're blessed to have it, and we're going to use it. Um, yeah. But because it's also practical, like you, you got to in certain things when you're setting up, you be practical. Um, 
And as long as it doesn't take away that, the you know, we, we just want the presence of God to be there. Yeah. You know, all the other stuff is, you know, we do want people to feel comfortable coming, not feel like out of place. Um, I think the line becomes is, okay, if Jesus were here, would he do this? Or if Jesus were here, would he not do this? Yeah. And would he be okay with this? Would he not be okay with it? Would the Holy Spirit grieve if we did this? And you ask yourself those questions, and then you start to say, okay, let's not do that, or yeah, let's do this. I don't know if that answers the question. But. Well, <clears throat> to, be, to, to help the point and to be biblical about it so we don't get criticized for not being biblical, <laughs> yeah. the Bible says that, you know, we know Lucifer was the worshiping cherub in heaven before he was cast down. It says that on his chest he had all the gems just like the, the priest does. Uh, sapphire, all those gems, and that the light shone through it, and there was a, a splendor. It reflected the light, and then there was colors. So, we we think that the lights and stuff that we have in our churches, we copied it from the from the clubs and the discos and all that. But the Bible tells us that that was happening before in heaven. Mm. So it wasn't. If anything, they copied it from, from the Bible stuff. So. Yeah. But one thing that I always try to emphasize is that one thing that I try to emphasize is that we've we've changed how it's our own fault because we've we've changed the mentality when we walk into the house of God as the praise and worship is is the entertainment part. Oh, that's gonna make me feel good, but if we look at it biblically, that part mm. is not for us. That part is our offering to God. Mm. We're offering praise and worship to you mm. and expecting for you mm. to respond to our offering to you. So the praise and worship, the music, the singing, all that, that's the part of the of us giving to God. Mm. That's the fragrance, the incense that we're burning, and it goes up to him. And if he finds it pleasing, then he talks to us mm. through the preacher. But over time, we've it's been corrupted into oh, this is my enjoyment, this is where I have fun, and then I have to sit down and maybe be bored with the preacher. Cause, and and I grew up in a in a Pentecostal church where they were always say, now comes the the best part of the service. Yeah, and, yeah, and it's oh, like man. no, and 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 see, we 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 read the Bible. It's better to give to receive, and we don't apply it to that. Mm-hmm. We want God to speak to us. Speak to me, God. I, I need a word. I need a word. But then you, you, you didn't worship him. You didn't praise him throughout that time. You were just sitting or maybe clapping your hands. But yeah. and then we expect him to speak to us, but we didn't offer. We we didn't offer anything. So yeah. Um, now I know you were mentioning um, uh, it's in that where, like you said, we're giving and all these things and all these lights and stuff. But um, do we? Is there a line where? Like you said, we have the tools to do these things, but do you think you ever compromise? Um, like I, I talked to um, the, the pastor CD, Andres, and he mentioned about the clothing where like there's mm-hmm. a spectrum of what people believe is right and wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, now, is there a spectrum of programming where do you feel yourself we could lose that sense of ultimate reverence? Like, for example, in the tabernacle, people had to dress as a certain way to go in. You know, there was a certain respect 
when creating that programming of what you were going to do. You sacrifice a certain time, a certain way, and things like that. When you create program, do you have that, um, like, we got to do it this way because this is what's going to truly be reverent and holy towards the Lord. Like, you know, we sing, we do, you guys do announcements, and you guys give the word. Is there a certain reason why you do that, or do you just feel like it's the most effective? Like, how do you make sure we continue to have that, like, spiritual reverence of sacrificing the proper way, creating a service that is, is up to what he's, his standards? Yeah, so I think the, the, there's a lot that goes into that because you, Sunday, when you create the program, you can create it however you want to. Um, but if there's no prayer leading up to the service and where the atmosphere is already set so that the presence of God can move, then you could, you could put it in whatever order you want you know the the most important thing really before you even get to the sunday is as leaders as a pastor and this is why he stresses prayer so much is because what happens on sunday is what we pray through throughout the week you know god's gonna move god's gonna because we're two or three are gathered he's there but when you really desire the presence of god to move and impact people in such a way that out of that they'll respond to the message they'll respond in worship they'll respond and they'll experience something they've never experienced before um then that all is with prayer and 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 seeking god and and asking him to do amazing things in that sunday now uh the the sense of the flow of the program and why is it in certain order is practicality so um we've tried different things what works what makes sense for transitions um it could be you know so you you gotta um my opinion is you know you have to be real and understand that okay you you want to honor god every part of the service so our mentality is god can move while we're doing worship and god can move and touch people while we're doing announcements God can move while we're ministering the offering to him, and he can move while people are talking in the lobby. So it's the entire atmosphere is, is holy because the presence of God is there. So we do worship. Um, someone comes and transitions into announcements because we want to share with people what's happening in the, in, in, in the church and what the events are. We minister the offering, and then we give the time for the sermon, and then we do an altar call. Um, so, if there's a new idea, if if you know, if we see something that another church did, we don't automatically say, "Okay, let's do it," um, just because we saw it. One, we you have to you have to discern, you have to be in the spirit to know, yeah. hey, this is, don't do this. And most of the time it is that. Most of the time it is like, hey, this no, this isn't a good idea. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah, yeah, let's let's try it. So again, you just have you have to discern whether the reason why you are or you're not doing something, is it because of fear? Is it because you're afraid that people are gonna judge what you're doing? Um, are you not willing to or not daring enough to do something different because of your religious upbringing and tradition? 
Yeah. You know, because that's a big thing too. And yeah. that's that's what happened when Jesus came and all these religious leaders had traditions and they judged them and they judged his disciples. So you, you, you really have to depend on the Holy Spirit to guide you into saying, hey, yeah, we can, we can try this. You know, at some point we're going to do announcements through video. You know, why? Because it's just easier. You know, like yeah, it's that's how my church does it. Yeah, so there's certain things, there's certain things that are just practical that are like you know, and 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 I look at what other churches are doing because I want to say, okay, what what's going to make it easier for our volunteers? What's going to make it, you know, so that we're not, you know, you give a part to someone and they could take forever, you know. (laughs) There's always that risk, yes. Yeah, so you have to control that in a sense, but what we don't control is the Holy Spirit. We allow the Holy Spirit, and I think that is the most important part. Where you have a program, you can have time, you can have segments, you could you could go out and, and do some daring things. Um, you know, some of it is you do it, you try it, and if it doesn't work, then you don't do it again. You know, yeah. so some of but at, most of all is just saying, Holy Spirit, would you move? You know, would you still move if we did this? Would are you guiding us to this? And if not, then you have to be willing to say no to whatever every everyone else is doing, and and do whatever God is, you know, calling you to. Yeah. And we got to remember, God knows the intention of our heart. So, mm-hmm. what is the intention behind what we're trying to implement or do? Mm-hmm. Is it for God's glory, or is it because we want to influence more people to come, or you know? So the intention of the heart is most important thing if you're doing it for god and you have him first you'll make it work now one of the things that um like you said there's in different cultures you have different different experiences in in services you hear missionaries all the time i just came from africa i just came from here we had a service a three-day service non-stop yeah, no one yeah. no one used the bathroom no one spoke like it was just like this. <laughs> no one complained, no one complained. They, didn't <laughs> they didn't fall asleep <laughs> yes so when it comes to designing service, obviously there's a general expectation of time in, in general, obviously there's exceptions. Like you said, there's some churches that most the members there are used to long services. Mm-hmm. Where do you feel like there's that balance of catering to people's expectation, but also pushing them to really give what God deserves? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes people will be like, Oh, I'll just have a 30 minute service. I'll sing, listen in 10 minutes. But like, it's more because their preference, they just want to get in and out and do their life and not, you know, give mm-hmm. God what he really deserves. So where do you draw that line of placating to people's preferences, but also saying, hey, you do need to spend at least a little bit of time giving him worship, giving him praise. Like, we have to have a certain amount of time for this. Like, we can't mm-hmm. just shorten it because you want to go watch football or do this. Yeah. So how do you draw that balance? Yeah, and that's 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 the challenge that a lot of pastors and churches are having today because people don't want to stay in long services. Um, I, I, I know someone that thinks two hours is extremely long. <laughs> and I'm, you know, and the yeah. majority of my life I've been in two yeah, hours. Two hours, two hours are short. Two minimum. Yeah. Yeah. Two was minimum. Yeah. Yeah. When we got down to two hours, it was like, oh, man. You know, so you have all these different perspectives. But this <clears throat> goes back to knowing what you're called to do. You know, like, and, and it's going to be... I can't speak for other churches. I can't speak for other pastors. Um, but I know at CDA, our vision, you know, our, our vision is to 
revive our community through a genuine relationship with God. So we're, we're called to revival. That is the, 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 the call for our church. Yeah. yeah, that's the essence of the church. That is the heart of our pastor. That is in the DNA of our church. So um, I know we won't cut or we won't... Uh, there's things that because of that, of, of that essence, you value certain things. So you have to know what your church... Now, we know we value everything that comes... To, you know, that's in the Bible, that is with God, but, you know, there's, you'll get complaints from both ends of the spectrums. Worship is too long. Worship is too short. The preaching could be longer. The preaching could be shorter. You're always going to have the pool. Yeah. And, if, yeah. and if you're not inclined, inclining yourself to, to God's voice of, okay, this is what I want you, this is the game plan. Again, the Holy Spirit is the pastor. This is the game plan that we're running. This is what we're going to do. We're not going to sway to the left. Now, can we do this in a more innovative way, in a more practical way? Those are strategies. Those are things that we could do. We could put announcements on videos. We could make offering digitally, you know. But are we going to shorten or make worship longer because someone wants it? No. We're going to put wherever we, we feel from God to say, okay, this is a good, you know, so our worship is about 30 minutes. Um, you know, and someone's whole service is probably 30 minutes. So, you know, or someone's first two songs are 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, so it's 30 minutes, then they sing the whole service, whatever. Yeah. You, know, so you just got to go with, okay, Lord, what, because you have to, you have to stay within whatever God is, 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 is leading you to do, because if you do too much, it becomes about you. If you do too little, it becomes about you. So you have to, there's a sweet spot that you got to find. And that sweet spot is where the Holy Spirit gives peace and says, this is, this is it. This is what I want for an yeah. RKCDA. Yeah. Um, you know, right now we have to work regardless. We have to work with the limits of knowing that we share a facility. Yeah. So there's another church that comes after. Yeah. So does that mean that, okay, God can't move in an hour and 45 minute service because it's an hour and 45 minute service? No, no. Yeah. he's yeah. gonna move within that time. We yeah. just have to make sure that we give him the space. And you're effective in that sense. Anthony, how would you say you deal with that personally? Like when it comes to like, I'm tired or um, they're singing longer than you, you, like they, you know, service took a little bit longer than expected. How do you deal with that on a personal level? Like, oh, I'm hungry. There's a basketball game I really want to see. How do you deal with that personally, making sure you're focused in that side of things? Well, I mean, like I'm sure you two, it's the same thing. You know, we grew up in an old school Pentecostal. So, you know, I grew up in three-hour-plus services, falling asleep under the pew. So, you know, I've been, you know, raised to to, <laughs> to, endure. to endure. To endure. So... <laughs> You know, for me, it's a little different, but, you know, I've I've seen short preachings that are that were amazing and that were impactful. And I've seen long preachings that were good and impactful and and spoke to me and spoke to the congregation. So like like Miguel says, it's not, you know, we're the ones that get preoccupied with time. 
time doesn't exist for God. So he he he'll do whatever he has to do in ten minutes and three hours. It doesn't matter. He's not in. He's not subjected to our he's time. We by, think yeah. exactly. We think oh this three hour service. God's gonna move here. It's like no. He can move in the parking lot after we step out, or he probably already dealt with some of the people when they were coming in. So, um, God's not not mountain by the time it's you know it's and and we have to remember we're called the body of Christ. Our body has eyes, arms, hands. So that's why you know okay we we split up the church in different denominations and stuff like that. But at at the end of the day. It's all for the glory of God. So, mm-hmm. if you don't if you don't believe in in dancing in the Holy Spirit, then here here here's a church for you. You can follow Jesus in this church. If if you don't believe in falling back, you can go to. The, so, at the end of the day, it's you know <clears throat> the center. We have to remember that the center is Jesus. Mm-hmm. As long as we're we're doing whatever it is for Him. If you don't like three hour services, then go find a church that has an hour and a half service. So it's like. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no ex- the what we can do is use that as an excuse not to go to church, yeah. not to be in community. I think one of the things that I've realized is when we look at anything that is God led to try to find beauty of God in it, anything that even it's in preference or out of preference would be enjoyable to us. Mm-hmm. Like I have certain pre- preaching preferences. I have certain songs that I would like to listen to, but. God's beauty is in any any form. If it's a ten hour service, if it's people jumping around, screaming, if it's someone that's it's a quiet service, everyone just writing notes. If we look at it in the lens of God's beauty is being shown right now, God's love is being shown, then in preference or out of preference, we would enjoy the service. And I think that's really key is because we go in there expecting what we want instead of trying to enjoy who God really is. If it's two minutes a song and they cut the song off and they just wanna be in silence. God's beauty is more than enough. Like, God's beauty is enough. Like, we want God's beauty plus good songs or God's beauty plus a preacher that does this. I think it's really important that we just embrace God's beauty. And whatever method that comes out of, preference or out of preference, we're, 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 we're not worthy for either. So it's, it's, um, I think it's important to see it as in that sense of things. Mm-hmm. And I think in addition to that, like you said, Miguel, Sunday is a representation of what you did throughout the week. If you're praying, seeking, asking God, speak to me. Let me let me go in there. Please give me a good offering. Let me do. It's a re, Sunday's a great response of how your week is. If it was tough, you know, you're pouring out your heart. If it was great, you're giving Thanksgiving. Like, there's, it's it's a response of who your what your life is in that moment. So I think if we look at it in those two ways, it would strengthen our our opportunity to, as participants in church, to be more participant because we're. We're thankful that God is even showing up. We're thankful for God showing his beauty. So I think that's really, really important. And and like I said before, it's the service is not for us. We're not coming here for our entertainment for to see what God's gonna give us. We're we we come together to worship him, to give him thanks. And if he deems it necessary or worthy or the fragrance of our worship, he was pleased. Then he will bless us. Then he'll speak to us. But if we're just coming just to be entertained for a couple hours, or because mm-hmm. I'm supposed to go to church, because you know I don't want to go to hell, mm-hmm. then it, it doesn't matter. You know, the service is not for us; it's for God. So, yeah, I mean, you can see you can see that uh, real quick just to wrap up. You can see that 
in uh, Abel and Cain, they both gave sacrifices, but one was accepted and one was not effective. So similar to like you were saying, um, Miguel, like programming to the people in the congregation, there's things you can and can't do, but doesn't mean it's it's what we should be doing. Same mm -hmm. thing as we go. We could sing and clap and do all this stuff. But like you said, if we're doing it just to give a motion to say we're that church, we're, you know, we're giving that Cain sacrifice. But if mm -hmm. we're going there to give the best we have, to give the, the what he's really deserves, we become able in a sense of we're giving the proper offering and God's going to respond in, that's in, in our favor. Um, one last thing I wanted to touch uh, base with you, uh, Miguel, is um, it, how do we respond to things that are out of our control or unexpected um, in that? And what I mean by that in particular in your life, Miguel, is um, your daughter um, has, um, has autism. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things... Uh, we challenge even our parents, ourselves, or even um, our little ones, is when sickness comes up upon us or we receive something that is, we don't know why. We, there's, there's no practical reason. Um, how did you personally deal with that or your journey in responding spiritually or even practically to having, you know, receiving that news that your daughter has autism or even currently dealing with that? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I have a, uh, three soon to be four year old, um, beautiful daughter. Um, and I, I think, I mean, you gotta be real. And the first, uh, uh, you know, for me, I was obviously noticing there was some delays with her and stuff like that. Um, um, and then when the first pediatrician says, Hey, there's a possibility she has autism. I'm like, what? <laughs> Yeah. Come again. <laughs> yeah, because no parent go you know says, Hey, I think my, my child is gonna have this you yeah. know, beforehand, you know? Um so it was a process for me to um uh it, I, I will say that I I didn't really have like this point of um I don't know. Like I think when 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 you're a parent of some of, of, of when you're I, Anthony, I don't know if you have kids. Um, no, not not yet. So, um, not yet. No. You know, so when you, you you're in love with a child from day one, you know. So you my 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 clash or my moment when you know I found out that she was delayed um, when the diagnosis came i was already prepared for it it, it, it takes some time and, and studies and all that um, so I'll, I'll get to that and that reaction was completely different than the first of realizing okay there's there's a significant delay um yeah. but you start you know you you feel a sense of um you know for me it was actually more of a sense of okay did i do enough like is there a reason that she's delayed is it something that i missed like in the last year and a half of parenting her like didn't show her didn't teach her um and then you know particularly for autism it it's really something that thankfully they have more research of um but it's still they don't essentially know what causes it um you know to like Sometimes it's genetic, sometimes it's not. In her case, it isn't. Um, so, you, you, you know, the first part was, okay, Lord, help me to remove that guilt that I feel 
as a parent because you know yeah. uh you think it's your your fault in a sense um yeah you know so it was hard because you 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 feel for your child who is now you know delayed um yeah but it's it's amazing because um she's always been unique so you you know i love my my daughter to death and when i see my daughter i see my daughter i don't see yeah. my daughter yeah. autistic you know? yeah i forget sometimes that she's autistic to be to be honest yeah. because you focus on you, you start to realize man like i don't know why she was born this way and why she's delayed in these areas but there's certain things about her that are completely different than any other kid that makes her her yeah so you know you view it as like man she's she's so silly now autism is if the saying goes if you met one autistic kid you've met only one autistic kid it's a spectrum right it's every every autistic kid is different yeah um there are some autistic kids <laughs> who are affectionate some who are completely not affectionate and they don't want to be touched um my daughter is one of those that likes affection so you know that's she she embraces that so you know there's some people that may say oh she i didn't know she was autistic she doesn't look autistic i mean you don't look yeah. <laughs> you know um, yeah but there's things that she does that i know are due to her autism that you know i find silly or i find funny or um, yeah i think it's i think it's the best thing like she'll walk around with her eyes closed just because and I think it's the cutest thing in the world, you know? Yeah. So I enjoy her, like, yeah. to the max. Um, now, with that comes the responsibility of making sure that you do everything possible to get her up to speed, you know? Yeah. So in a sense of therapies, you know, she's in therapies Monday through Friday. Uh, she goes to three different therapies a week. Um, you know, she, she's nonverbal right now. Um, so she, she's about to be four. She doesn't say anything. Um, she makes a lot of noises and those are things that you wrestle with from time to time. Like, man, like she doesn't talk and you, yeah. you wish you had that response as a dad. Um, yeah. but you know, this, that's where the faith comes in. So the faith of, you know, I'm not praying God deliver her from autism. God yeah. deliver her from was... this demon of of that no she's yeah. she 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 lights up every room that she goes in she makes everyone smile you know i so I'm, my prayer is lord i know she's gonna talk i that's my faith i believe that she will talk you know i believe that she will progress and develop um whether god you want to do the miracle overnight or whether it's through a process you know either way i'm believing for the outcome yeah. Um, you know, and, and you, you start to learn how to adjust and how to communicate accordingly with her so that she understands so that you understand, um, yeah. you know, but you, but you, but you believe God for, for that, for certain things in her life, um, you know, but you trust that God is sovereign and yeah. there's a, you know, there's a unique reason why, um, and I, I just know that God's going to use her to do amazing things. In what way? I don't know. But I just know it's going to be amazing. 
Yeah. And um, one of the things that really impacted me, what you said right there was the way you see your daughter, I feel like is a really great representation of how God sees us. Mm-hmm. Uh, many people would see your daughter like she has this, but you're mm-hmm. seeing your daughter for who she is. Similar with us. And we have all our flaws. We have our sins. Yeah. But God sees us. He doesn't see what other people are labeling yeah. us to be. And I think that's really beautiful to be able to, like you said, have your daughter express, see, see God in a different way through what your daughter's going through. Now, um, what the, this is on a personal antidote. Um, did, you, did you ever challenge, I mean, did you ever go through a challenge of like, this is a punishment or this is a consequence of, of something? I mean, we could see that in an example of when they, when they encountered a child um, that was sick, you know, they said, is this a, was this a consequence? But it, they Jesus said, no, this is to show my glory. Yeah. So yeah. did you ever go through that? Like, God, what did I do to deserve this? What did I do to, for my daughter to have to do that guilt or shame? Or even did you, did you go through a process like that? Um, I didn't personally. Now okay. I won't say that no parent does. And uh, yeah. I know that parents do or in, in general. Um, and, if the situation were different, like, you know, there are parents that go through tragedy, tragedy, uh, their kids passing away and, and cancer and things. And yeah. I don't know how I would react in those situations. So I can't say that my reaction to this <clears throat> would be the same in that. But yeah. honestly, like, um, again, you got to stay close to the Holy Spirit because he's your comfort, but he's also the one that will change your perspective like this, you know, because yeah. it, it, I, I could have drowned in despair of, of why me, why is this happening? Is this God punishing me? What is this? Or the voice of the Holy Spirit could tell me I'm entrusting you with her. Mm. I trust you enough yeah. to give you her with autism. So to me, I said, okay, this isn't a punishment. This is, in a weird way, a reward because I, I, I get to see a child develop and be more in her life and more, more intentional about certain things. And I get to see what God is going to do in her. So I never saw it as a punishment. Um, it took me some time to see it as like, hey, God is entrusting me with this. Um, but you just, you know, now again, going back to like, it wasn't easy to hear that delayed that she, you know, she has autism because you don't understand you think autism and, or think anything and your mind's running. Yeah. And yeah, you know, and it's not what you were expecting. So, but you know, you have people that can speak into your life and encourage you and say, Hey, this is not the end. It's okay you know, um, for anyone listening, but particularly one of the biggest things for autism is to be able to intervene early enough. So early intervention, because, you know, you could, you can notice things about your child and, and be like, ah, it could be autism, but ah, they'll grow out of it. Or it could be something else. And a lot of you want to be, it could be a pride situation where you don't want to admit that your your kid is And, and I was, I was not going to be that because you, you can't, you can't afford to be prideful when it comes to your child, because this is their early stages of development. This is where it's most important to know, 
if your child has autism, you know, then your child has autism. What do you, what do you, what do you, what do you, what do you gonna do? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, you could pretend like it's not there, but you know, they'll get to 10, 14, 16 years old. And unfortunately have not received any therapy, any help. And yeah. then they don't know how to do things for themselves. So you have to be willing to swallow the, the pride and not even see it as a punishment, but saying, okay, this is something unique that the Lord has given me. So let's, let's go for it. Now, it's, I'm not going to say it's not easy, um, yeah. but every time I look at her, I look this way because there's a picture of her right there on my desk. Yeah. So, you know, every time I look at her, it's, it's to me, and, it, and, it's, and it's a girl. So, you know, imagine yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that. Just to, just to encourage you a little, um, me and my wife have a, a couple that are friends of ours that mm-hmm. had a son with autism and, you know, he didn't speak. He didn't like being touched, affectionate or anything like that. But throughout the years of therapy and whatnot, he's talking and now he's mm-hmm. you know, more sociable, less, yeah. you know, comes up, high fives you, stuff like that. So, well, you know, it's, it's possible, especially with God. Um, he's going to work all things for the good. Um, but to, to touch really quick on what you said, it's really important. The Bible teaches us that children are his heirs, and he's mm-hmm. given us, given them to us to store. So they belong to him. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw that personally in my life. Uh, I had a little sister. She got a, a car hitter, and my older sister. She was six years old, and she passed away. Mm-hmm. And my parents... You know, this is why, you know, I thank God for my parents. And that's why a main reason why I'm still a believer, because mm-hmm. I saw them go through that. Mm-hmm. I saw my dad hold her bloody body in her in his hands, picking her up off the off the pavement. And, you know, they never they never wavered. They never left mm-hmm. the Christian walk. They kept firm. And, you know, mm-hmm. I saw God work through that. And, you know, I never saw them maybe, you know, in their mind or in their private, they would struggle with that but i never saw them you know in front of me or anything like questioning god why he did this why he why he took her away so you know we have to understand that god does what he wants he's sovereign especially when it comes to children if it's if it's his time if he wants to take them away for some reason but he does everything for a reason so yeah 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 that's powerful anthony Mm-hmm. And one of the things I I think it's tough, and I'm I'm and Miguel, you let me know if you know if something that you challenge with is one of the the quick responses is God heal us or fix the situation that we're going through. So how do you balance that? Like, hey God, I would like my daughter to develop, or I want her to do this, but at the same time, I'm accept your will. If it's you know for her to lifetime go through this or if it's a temporary season go through this i'm accepting your cup how do you balance your personal desire as a parent like i want my daughter to be as successful and you know as productive as she could be but also understanding that there's a sovereign god that like you just said that might we might not get the results that we want how do you deal with that um i don't see her as a cup so uh the the cup is the significant of the of Jesus in the sense of, you know, pass this cup for me, you know, okay. for me, I want the cup regardless of what it's in, it's in it because it's my daughter. You okay. Know? Yeah. 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 So, I, I didn't mean, I didn't mean it in a rude way. But, yeah, I, I know, I know, yeah. I know. But no, but you, you're, the, the question is valid. So, but I'm just saying that the mentality for me is not, yeah. 
Um, and, and I say that because it goes with uh, my response of, yeah, I want her to, 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 I say get up to speed, you know, just, just because she's delayed by, by about a year or so. So basically catch up, but I'm praying that she accelerates. I'm praying that, you know, she goes further than where she's even supposed to be, yeah. um, you know, for a typical child her age. Um, yeah. You know, but at the same time, I'm going to move and to work and to to put her in therapies and to do what I have to do to make sure she 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 has a chance to do your part, yeah. survive on herself. Yeah, you know. So, um, and I trust God that at some point he she's gonna talk, um, and at some point things are are just gonna accelerate. Um, but my my calling is to love her. My calling is to protect her, to provide for her, um, to 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 like Anthony said, give her back to the Lord because it's you know she belongs to Him. So my job is just to steward, like you know, like the Bible says, they're His. Um, so I think my I guess. Hard to put it in a sentence, but it, that's just my. I'm praying that that this happens, um, but at the same time, I'm making sure that I do everything possible to set her up for, you know, success and and trusting that God has provided a lot of ways for her to develop. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, because that's. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just it's just how you look at it, you know. Typical kids, they go to school. So you're trusting the school system in a sense to teach them certain things and to develop in certain ways. So my daughter just needs different kind of schooling, different kind of attention. So yeah. that's the route that you know I'm going to take her in. Um, and if 40 years down the road we're doing sign language, then we're doing sign language, you know. Um, but at 40 years down the road, she's talking, she, she, she got married, she has kids of her own. Praise God. If she didn't, praise God. That's um, that's really powerful. Um, because, you know, it's, um, it's really easy for us, like, like in many situations, not just with our kids, we're quick to do the blame game on God because we mm -hmm. didn't get the preference of our lives. And we could even relate that to the services. I mean, we could relate our personal desire, our ego is so strong many times. Our flesh is, is a challenge. And that's where we daily, like, you know, you've said, Miguel, be attached to the Holy Spirit. Because mm -hmm. in all aspects of our lives, our ego and our flesh is trying to take over. If it's mm -hmm. dealing with our preference of how we want our kids to be, like, I want my daughter to be a tennis player. But uh, <laughs> but sometimes she doesn't real? care. To, to, huh? Is that a real? Is no, that it's real? it's real. It's real. Okay, okay, okay. Like I have her watch tennis, and sometimes she's like, "I don't want to watch that," <laughs> and I'm like, heartbroken. I'm like, "How dare you not want to watch this?" But she's two and a half, so. Uh, but it's like our ego fills in so many. It could be filled in so many ways, and I think it's, it's, it's. It really challenges many times when we don't get the results we want or that or what we expect. I yeah. think it's it's really powerful. Um, like you said, it's. It's not only a blessing for you; it's a, a testimony for for God's glory, um, mm -hmm. for um, for you to be able to stand strong and 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 say, "Hey, I'm I'm loving. Love is guiding me. Like it's not my yeah. desire. It's not me. It's and it and 
like Anthony's parents, it's 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 an opportunity uh, to show God's love, not an opportunity uh, for us to turn away from God's love. And I think it's it's important in any aspect or any avenue for us to be able to always be attached to God's love because it's going to give us that peace in any situation that we might encounter. Yeah. 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 So, well, Miguel, um, just want to say thank you again uh, for coming on. Um, um, and it was ex- it was really exciting to kind of dive into all this. Um, and until next time, uh, we'll definitely uh, be looking forward to have you back on. And like we always say. We don't have all the answers. Um, this is just two guys talking. Um, coincidentally, we're matching today, me and Anthony, with the same color shirt. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get that. Memo. You didn't get the memo, Miguel? It's okay. We'll, yeah. make, we'll make sure next time we'll all three match. But I was, it was pretty funny when I first saw you come at me. I was like, oh, man, we're matching today. But um, this is just us placating, and I, I'm a strong believer that through community and through fellowship and through vulnerability that we're willing to talk about certain things, we're able to see God in a more powerful way. So I encourage um, the listeners, speak your life, uh, spread your life, and that's an opportunity for us to show God's love in a a wonderful way. And if you have any questions, concerns, leave it in the comments and we'll we'll, we'll work together and work through it. Um, So thanks for listening. Uh, You can follow us on YouTube and anywhere you you listen to your uh, podcast. See you next time.